My name is JD Henning, and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, a podcast about short films and those who make them. Today, I'm chatting with Andrew Finlay about his short film, The Problem Solver, an excellent comedy. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Andrew, and give the audience a short introduction to your film. Uh, yeah, hi, uh, my name's Andrew. Uh, I directed The Problem Solver in, uh, it was late 2019. Um, and it is a story about a, uh, a first-time hitman who meets uh, a potential client in a cafe. Um, yeah, and I guess you'll have to see the film to, to figure out what happens after that. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's really funny. Uh, I, I can tell you that I haven't interviewed anybody with uh, the time zone in the time zone or time zones that you're in, and it certainly has taken a little wrangling, but it was absolutely <laughs> worth it because this project is just so funny. Uh, I read the script to, uh, to start off with, and there were a few minutes where I was I was actually in a, literally laughing out loud, and my wife would turn to me and ask. Uh, what's happening? And I would say, oh, I'm just reading the script. It's really good. And she said, oh, okay. Um, and I can't tell you, I can't tell you that there have been hardly any other scripts that have uh, hit my funny bone the way that yours did. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I wrote, directed and uh, ended up editing it myself as well. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting that you, that you found it funny and I do appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. Um, but the uh, the sort of humor, I, I always worry, or not worry, but sort of wonder how it, it translates to other cultures. Um, mm -hmm. And Australians have a very, sort of very specific style of humor that, I don't know, it's, it's I guess, kind of dry. And I, I just wasn't sure whether international audiences uh, would find it funny. Uh, so I'm glad that at least one of them does. <laughs> <laughs> this international audience member loved it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, speaking of how humor uh, sometimes doesn't translate, that's really true. I, I remember talking with a theater director once who's, you know, well-established, he's been working in the field for quite a while, and he, he mentioned that in his view, and this is just a broad generalization, that in America, the humor tends to be that these are really outlandish people in normal circumstances. But in British comedy, mm. which is kind of the dichotomy that we were talking about, it is very normal people in outlandish circumstances. And I'm wondering for you and uh, for this project, where, where would you locate it on that sort of continuum between outlandish people, normal circumstances, or normal circumstances, outlandish people? Um, I I guess I've never really thought about it that way. Um, I guess using your definition, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a mix if I have mm -hmm. to say, which thinking about it maybe is why it translates well, because obviously it is about these sort of outlandish people. Um, but the, the sort of humor I think comes from the sort of almost humdrum way that they meet at least at the start and they, they talk about what they're, what they're doing, which I guess is a little bit British. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think it probably sits a little bit more on the, I guess it probably sits a little bit more on the British side of things. Um, though it's hard, I guess it's hard to quantify yeah. with, with that project specifically. And I definitely didn't write it with sort of a, uh, 
a theory of comedy in mind. <laughs> uh, I just wrote, I just wrote what I thought would be funny at the end of the day. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. To, it's interesting to hear that though, um, because that is definitely the the difference between American comedy. I mean, you guys sort of grew up in the well, not grew up, but, but I mean, as a nation, grew mm-hmm. up in the with the with the Broadway of the. You know those those big massive. Uh, I, I can't remember that the name of that theater director off the top of my head, but certainly with like you know uh, comedy movies, like you guys had sort of the, like the Leslie Nielsen, mm-hmm. Mel uh, Mel Brooks era mm-hmm. of, uh, of film and theater, which is very sort of brash and open, and I love that style as well. But um, there's no way you'd see that in in England, absolutely never. <laughs> yes, I mean the Ministry of Funny Walks is is hilarious because these are people acting very normally about something that's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, well, that's it, yeah. Yeah, and, and do you find that uh, that your your sensibility for comedy is, is more shaped by sort of kind of the British and Anglophile uh, sort of comedy or, or, or by, a, you know, American broad comedy? I, how do you find uh, things funny? Like, is it, or is it just kind of everything? I mean, it's definitely everything I can. I enjoy British comedies as well, um, though there's obviously a lot fewer of them. Uh, I'm just trying to rack my brain about some sort of great British comedy films. I mean, Death at a Funeral is obviously mm-hmm. one of my all-time favourites. Mm. Uh, the, the British version, that is. Not to cast aspersions, but it was a bit better than the American version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, I mean, definitely, definitely... Uh, you know, American humor has been a, a huge part of my upbringing and, and I love it. I mentioned Leslie Nielsen as a kid. That was just my all time favorite, all, all those movies. Um, and yeah, I'm a huge fan of both American and, and the British humor. So I, I think that's sort of, you know, I, I find it all funny. Um, yeah. And the Australian style, there's obviously a, a third mix in there, which is a little bit, I guess a little bit of a hybrid too, because culturally, I guess we are sort of uh, between two between two worlds uh, with our culture, the way we we receive media uh, as well. Absolutely. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of the genesis of the script and the the story idea. Is this something that you had in the back of your mind for a long time, or? Uh, <laughs> how did how did you go about kind of coming up with this idea and flushing it out into a story? Um, well, I <laughs> I actually wrote wrote the story the the original story that I was writing was intended to be serious. Oh, uh, <laughs> or at least I was writing something, and I I wrote I wrote something this sort of scene of this agent this hitman. I didn't mm-hmm. I had no idea where I was going, but uh-huh. I, I might have I might have just seen like the Born Identity or something like that, and, <laughs> and wanted to, to wanted to go write something like that. And I and I I wrote it and I read it and it was just so bad. It was so <laughs> corny and like cliche. Right. And I read it and I was almost laughing. And then I thought, you know, and I, I read up to a point where I was sort of trying to figure out what the, the what turned out to be uh, Madison, the woman, the, mm-hmm. the person hiring the killer would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought a normal person would just be like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I thought, screw it. Let's just, let's just see what happens if she says that. And I guess that was the genesis 
genesis from it that i then i just had this idea that that maybe she's just she, she's just uh, to use a theater term maybe she sort of ends up having status over him that she's sort of a lot more competent than than this guy who's claiming to be this sort of international man of mystery right. style assassin yeah and it's it's great i mean just from moment one you know you uh, and for, for those who haven't seen the project, uh, Andrew, is this available publicly anywhere? Uh, look, it, it might be, um, <laughs> if, if, okay. if, if there's a link in the podcast, then we've talked about it there, we can segue into that. It's just that, um, when the film, obviously I said it was finished late 2019 mm-hmm. or it actually wasn't finished early till early 2020. Right. Uh, and obviously we all know what happened then, right. uh, so a lot of film festivals only sort of were online this year and last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wasn't able to sort of submit it where I'd like, where I'd like to. Right. Uh, and it is kind of hitting the end of where I can, <clears throat> excuse me, where, where I can start to submit. Uh, and obviously their, their schedules are now both reduced and they both have two years worth of entrance <laughs> of people trying to get in. So it, uh. it, it hasn't, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that it hasn't done as well as I would have liked. Um, so, look, maybe maybe it would be worth just putting it out there for people to see. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. If people want to see it, I'm happy. I'm happy to include a link in the uh, absolutely in the podcast. Well, that's very generous. Um, it wouldn't be a, Yeah. Well, there you go. And, and it can. I guess that's the official premiere. Is <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, this this is a cheat the camera first. Justin Andrew Finlay is premiering on a podcast. Well, I think that means that you're at the cutting edge of technology, circa 2007 or something. So uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and I'm I'm very thankful that you are allowing people to see it because it is it's just hilarious and. I definitely, I can agree with you uh, or kind of commiserate with you about your experience with film festivals. I know that uh, it can be very rough uh, and especially, you know, I, I think that there are great projects that just don't make it anywhere in film festivals for whatever reason. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've had a few friends who've been, um, you know, moderators or programmers for those sorts of things. And it's it, from their end, it's sort of this just incredible grind and if you if you happen to hit the first free volunteer programmer who just wants to watch a minute of the project and then go and he's distracted and doesn't get the joke you're kind of out of luck and it it's Mm. you know it's amazingly unfair but then again i guess life is sometimes amazingly unfair (laughs) Um, well that's it yeah i I one of my um one of my teachers at university was a judge for film festivals and she said she used to watch literally two films at once yeah wow (laughs) that's horrible (laughs) i know and this is for probably australia's i guess top two premier film festivals wow Uh, so yeah look i mean it is what it is and uh Mm -hmm. obviously everyone wants to sort of you know be on the red carpet so to speak but um Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i just i just like people to see it um and the reason i wrote it well the reason i guess i made it was sort of just to get some exposure uh, as well. Um, so anyone that can see it, you know, the more people that can see it, I guess the better in oh, terms of yeah. my personal opinion. 
yeah, whole career. Yeah, no, for sure. And I am happy to assist you in exposing yourself to the worldwide interweb. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I, so for everybody who's listening, if you haven't, please pause, stop what you're doing unless it's driving, and take a moment to watch uh, the short film. Uh, it's great, and in fact, because because you are uh, letting this happen, I, I'd love to just talk a little bit about, uh, yeah, that transition from this is a serious project to this is uh, to this is a comedy. Uh, it sounds like you were just you were just reading it and it and it wasn't working as a serious project. Uh, how did you how did you decide to lean in? I mean, I, I loved the the passcode, which is just this you know absolutely ridiculous albatross flies backwards <laughs> in August. You know, just absolutely ridiculous. It, is this coming from a particular love for spy genre, or is this just because you find the cliches, well, cliche? Oh, no, I, I definitely I definitely love the spy genre. Uh, and I, I guess it was just to send up because sort of those code words, I mean, I guess they're used in, in movies quite a bit. And this sort of character, I guess, his entire, just like me, and I guess just why my original draft of the story was so bad is my entire knowledge of this world comes <laughs> from from spy movies um so like it's 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 not even secondhand knowledge of any of the industry it's like thirdhand knowledge that so i have no idea what they actually do whether they actually use code words like that whether they actually you know do all the things that they do they probably don't but this character i thought that's his experience as well, I guess, because right. it's my experience, it's his experience, being someone who's, who's, well, who, you, again, you'll have to watch the film to figure it all out, but right. uh, his experience is very much my experience. So I thought someone who was trying to do this would potentially want to use those phrases. And if he didn't have sort of like a inner critic, like I did saying that, this is terrible. <laughs> and he might go so far as to use these outlandish phrases, outlandish phrases. So to answer your question, I, I, I absolutely love the, the genre. And, uh, but I guess it's just sort of like my experience of, of, uh, of what I would be like as a spy, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> the sort of uh, bumbling fool inside of all of us made made explicit and textual. Yeah. Uh, That's right. Yeah. And so you you have a script and you really uh, you, you're really excited about it. And then you decide, OK, so I'm going to take the next step and uh, and film it. Uh, how did the process of pre-production and production go? Are, are you uh, a deeply enmeshed member of the Australian film community or go ahead and kind of talk about that. Um, I definitely wouldn't say I'm deeply uh, ingressed in the Australian film industry. Uh, I, yeah, look, I just sort of put it out there. I've done a few short films before and mm -hmm. my experience, I'm probably not, I'm not a great producer, uh, and I, I noticed that, so one of my, um, <clears throat> one of my, uh, prerequisites coming to this was that I, I, I wanted a producer, someone to sort of be in charge of, hmm. be in charge of the other side of things so I could focus, um, which is, it, it's just hard to do when you're on a shoestring budget, oh, uh, sure. especially in this country where it, it's, it's seen by people as a, as a, uh, 
as a, it's very much a side project doing short films. It's, it's mm-hmm. not sort of what people do in their nine to five and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really lead to, to much else. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so look, I, I basically just sat on it until I found, uh, the right person. Um, and I found a, I found a great producer who, who hooked me up with most of the crew and organized some things. Uh, unfortunately, we had to push the film back a little bit so she wasn't help, able to help out uh, towards the end. Um, but, you know, I had a great first assistant director, great uh, director of photography, and they all both sort of, you know, pulled and, and helped and helped get us over the line in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like uh, you were able to to find a good uh, crew around you to work. And this is this is kind of just because I don't know anything about Australia. I think I can say that with confidence. I don't know anything about Australia, and I certainly don't know anything about the film community around there uh, or in the area that you're in. What is what is sort of the context of filmmaking like in Australia in your in your city? Uh, it's non-existent, basically. <laughs> for, for what you would define as, a, as an industry, it, it, it's so incredibly small and niche. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, short films. I mean, short films in America, I'm sure, kind of fall in the same mm-hmm. absolutely category. That yep. they're not really, you know, made to make money. They're not really made in any commercial sense. They're sort mm-hmm. of made to, to basically to hit festivals and to um, mm-hmm. be both a uh, some experience for the crew and, um, a creative expression, which is, which is fine and great, but obviously there's a lot more, uh, a lot more feature films get made in America as well. And it's, you know, if you, if you're working in that industry, it's a great segue up whether in Australia, we probably only make a couple of films a year. Hmm. Um, and the industry is, it's mostly funded by government bodies. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's this weird sort of mix that we have where the government will, they will match a certain amount of funding. Um, so we, uh, <clears throat> so our films generally get made uh, with with mostly with assistance. It's very rare that one the one is made entirely uh, independent in Australia. Hoping hopefully that will change in the future, uh, sort of in the age of Netflix and sort of more global reach for, for small projects. Um, we'll hopefully we'll find our feet and start mm-hmm. having the guts to make stuff entirely private. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously the government, they, they have sort of certain, certain things that they want on screen and it gets a bit tiresome seeing the Absolutely. Australiana image over and over again. Um, Right. So yeah, that's a that's I guess a, a very brief snapshot of our industry. It's it's pretty small. It's pretty niche. I mean, there's some great films that have great comedies that have come out of Australia as well. Not so much recently, but in the '90s we had some absolute classics. Um, yeah. But not much gets made here. Um, I think you guys steal all our good talent as well. So when anyone starts to to do well, they they move to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that is unfortunately uh, often the case. I, I live in Seattle, which does have a small filmmaking community, but that sort of brain drain effect happens here as well. You know, people move mm-hmm. to uh, Los Angeles or Atlanta or or New York City. Those are sort of the big places. Or uh, 
if you have uh, the ability to get Canadian citizenship, you move to British Columbia, and there is a big film community up there of this, you know, sort of, I guess, what you would expect to happen in, in the United States anymore, which is that some sort of part of the idea comes from the uh, people in the US and the funding comes from all over and then it's filmed not in the US, but in British Columbia in Canada. So that's sort of, I, I guess, a good thing. Uh, it's, it's sort of the multiculturalism, but it's all driven by, by money and that ends up feeling a little icky sometimes. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, I totally know what you mean. Um, yeah, and let's let's see. So you you were able to film it, and you directed it as well. Is is that kind of the primary sort of identity that you that you think of when you think of yourself in regards to film? Do you think of yourself primarily as a person who directs, or primarily as a person who uh, writes? Uh, yeah, I probably lean more towards the directorial side of things. Um, I spent probably the first five years of my adult life trying to be an actor mm. uh, to limited to success. Um, and so I've obviously worked with directors or theater directors and film directors mm -hmm. uh, um, through most of my life. And it's something working with actors and, and working with the crew and mm -hmm. the sort of technical side of things as well is something that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, writing to me is it's both the love and a hatred. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and to be honest, the, the hatred slightly outweighs the, the joy. Uh, only in, in actual, you know, mean time spent uh, writing, just because mm -hmm. when I've got an idea, when, I'm, when it's flowing, it's fantastic. I love mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not what most of my time writing is spent. It's most of the just spent looking at a wall, being <laughs> incredibly frustrated right. um, because yeah. you can't figure out what to do next or, or, or your scene is awful or, or something like that. Right. So. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I do love writing, um, but directing is sort of where, uh, you know, I, I always, always, I always enjoy directing every single time I'm on set. I enjoy myself and I love it. So I guess that's where my, my primary love is. Well, that's great. I, and you can, I mean, people can be good at certainly lots of things. There are polyglots and uh, multidisciplinary experts, but it is mm. also very reasonable to kind of hate writing. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't recall who it was who said it, but uh, I believe it was a pretty well-known screenwriter who, who talked about how he enjoys having written, but he doesn't enjoy the writing. And I, I think mm -hmm. that's, that's almost universally true. There's nothing more terrifying than a blinking cursor on, uh, on a blank page. That's, that's a terrifying place to be. And that's where you always are as a writer. <laughs> so yep, uh, it. yeah, that, that tracks. Um, and so you directed the project. Uh, how, how many days uh, was the project filmed over? I know you had maybe two or three locations. Uh, it was filmed over four days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they weren't tremendously heavy days, but first mm -hmm. day was in the cafe. The second day, there was some stuff in the house, mm -hmm. plus some stuff on the street. Uh, the third day was at a place called the Yu Yangs, which is the, the nature park cliff. Mm scene mm -hmm. uh and then the fourth day was that was just some cutaways we went to a pub and a golf course right 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 <laughs> uh well that's great and uh, so i have a question um i don't know if 
the film days work in more of the sort of European model or the American model. Uh, how long is a typical film day in, uh, in Australia? Uh, I think the union recommendational restriction is 10 hours. Okay. Um, so it's, they're quite full on days. So I think it probably sits a little bit more closer to America. Okay. Uh, though I'm not sure. I've never, I've, I've never worked in Europe or in America for that matter. So I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, it's only a matter of time, Andrew, only a matter yeah. of time. Uh, that's, that's very fascinating. And so you finish the project and you're excited to work on it and then COVID hits and everybody's confined to their houses as if they're in a coffin for months or possibly years, depending on who you are and where you're at. Um, and did that affect your post-production at all? Um, not so much. The, the, uh, the final picture grade that we put out uh, I remember picking up the hard drive in, in one of the first days of lockdown mm -hmm. and um, I may have bended some rules that we had in our state in order to pick it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was, it was literally one or two days into, into what okay. became one of the, the, well, the longest lockdown city in the world where I'm at at the moment. And um, interestingly enough, today is our first day out of lockdown as well. That's incredible. So I've got a lot of shopping to do today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I won't take you up for too long. Uh, uh, no, 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 not at all. I, I hate shopping, so take your time. <laughs> okay. Um, so you ended up adding the project yourself. It sounds like that wasn't necessarily intentional. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, uh, the editing process? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I mean, I kind of always intended to do it. Um, I mean, editing was, was fairly, fairly humdrum. My work, I work as a content producer in mm. my nine to five for mm. a, for a tractor company. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I make a lot of their YouTube videos and walk around. So gotcha. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at editing, at, at editing. Um, mm -hmm. it's definitely not a, a, not a love for me. Uh, it's not a passion and I do, I do very much appreciate people who, who love editing because it's like seeing their work is, is can be truly amazing in the right. way they can do things. Right. Um, so I kind of left the option open for, for other people to, for edit, to edit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I couldn't find someone who was willing to, I mean, and, and it is a big ask, uh, especially when you're on, you know, less than a shoestring budget right. task ask someone right. to, to dedicate a week plus of, of almost nine to five work um, mm -hmm. in putting this project together to do it for, for barely anything, if anything at all. Right. So Absolutely. at the end of the day, I had to, I had to do it myself and yeah. 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 Uh, so, and I, I really uh, appreciated the editing style you went with. It actually felt and I guess this is appropriate for, for the genre in some respects. Uh, the project ended up feeling almost like an Edgar Wright sort of, uh, sort of project. Everything is, there's sort of a, a timing and a flow. There's a lot of picture in picture editing. And I really appreciated that. I think that worked well for your project. So uh, good on you. I guess uh, the experience of editing trailer videos really, really worked out for you. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, tractor videos, not oh, trailer videos. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's interesting to hear because uh, Edgar Wright was, I think Hot Fuzz was one of the big influences I had, mm. or just Edgar, Edgar Wright in general. And that was one of the written down references for, that I told people that that's sort of the style of humor that I that I was definitely going for. He's a, I have, yeah, a lot of love for Edgar Wright. So uh, I'm glad to hear that. That it, that it translated at least somewhat. Yeah, no, it definitely came through for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes when people have a love for a particular, you know, filmmaker, uh, then it can almost feel like you're, you're trying to copy, but it's not as good. And that, that certainly wasn't the feeling that I had. There was a particular moment where your uh, where your hitman is explaining how he's how he's going to approach and entrap the person who's on the hit list, and uh, there's a moment where he talks about how he's going to befriend them, and they they both kind of they're they're peeing at a stall, and you're looking looking at their backs, and they both they both kind of uh, like uh, jump up at the same time as they're peeing, and I just uh, it, it's a small moment, but it's a really really good little moment uh so anyways um i just thank you really that appreciated was the, it. the last thing we shot was that was that scene <laughs> uh, very very last thing there you go and it worked out it worked out very well so uh, yeah you finished the film you're in post and uh now you're now you're in release it sounds like the process of applying to film festivals hasn't hasn't necessarily swung your way is there any have you gleaned anything from the process of applying to film festivals and hoping and uh trying to trying to find somewhere uh, a venue for your project um i think yeah I, I definitely learned that maybe i shouldn't be quite so grand with my ambitions oh. <laughs> um, because there's a bit of sort of strategy when it comes to applying to film festivals at least in this country that a lot of them require a, a quote-unquote premiere Mm. Uh, which for your podcast, if I did find one, should be fine because uh, they probably won't find the link to it, or at least I won't tell them that's already out. <laughs> and if and if it's only the Americans that have seen it, then then you know it's no big deal. Uh, but right. so they do require premiere, which does mean that you can't have been to a small mm. local uh, comedy film festival right you've got to so you have to say well okay well i'm gonna go for this big one but then in the process of going you've missed you know five or six little ones mm -hmm. that you more or less no i wouldn't say shoe in but have a really good shot at right. getting into and i i thought the film was good and i wanted to go for the melbourne film festival which again mm -hmm. is is probably one of the top two in australia uh and mm -hmm. they do have a short film segment mm -hmm. uh and i wouldn't say this film is quite their speed um i guess just i had a bit of hubris and thought that they would overcome that that mm -hmm. they would like a little comedy in there uh and i get to that was ultimately to my downfall because they they weren't particularly interested in it um and in the process i sort of missed out on a few so i guess what i've learned is that you've got to kind of be realistic in your Mm -hmm. uh, in your applying for film festivals. And mm -hmm. if there's, I guess if there's any advice I would give is to find somebody who knows the industry back to front, who knows film festivals, who can say, this is what you should be doing to get some advice, because right. that's something I didn't, I didn't really do. Uh, and 
I'd, you know, my only experience was just watching the films, but not knowing, well, and not even, not even watching the films from every film festival. Cause there's a lot of them right. uh, watching their selection criteria and how they go about things. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's a whole world unto itself, uh, film festivals mm -hmm. and the strategy behind that. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, well, this has been a really great conversation and I, Again, if it's not obvious to everybody who's listening to this, I really enjoyed this project. I think you will too. Please uh, take a moment and uh, watch it. Uh, it's it, It'll definitely lighten your day, uh, even though it's sort of a black, black comedy. It lightened my day. Uh, <laughs> and so I guess finally, Andrew, this is a question that I like to ask people. Uh, what do you think makes for a really good short film? Um, that's a very, very open-ended question there. <laughs> um, I, I like to see something d different in that, you know, you, your classic, your classic structure of, of movies, you know, obstacle protagonist, you know, your three act structure kind mm -hmm. of deal. Mm -hmm. It works really well for features. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it works terribly with short films. There's mm. just not enough time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think short films are the realm for the something different. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the realm for the experimental, for the not, not, not sitting with that sort of paradigm of mm -hmm. having a protagonist, having an obstacle. So for me, what makes a short film is, is just something different in that regard. Uh, and that, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't sort of sit near that, I guess you'd call it a paradigm. Uh, but it needs to sort of be its own thing. So I guess what to me makes a great short film is a film that knows that it is a short film and plays to the strength of it being a short film where, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a huge uh, obstacle to overcome. It can just be a simple moment mm -hmm. uh, or it can be something else entirely. Um, but that I guess is the beauty of short films is that you can, it can be something different. Uh, it can be completely off the wall uh, or it can just be, you know, a normal story about something quite sort of focused in and quite small. Um, some of my, some of my favorite short films either sit in in those two categories there yeah well that's yeah and i see a lot of wisdom in that idea you might as well try for something really different because it it is a short and the constraints uh kind of can become the strengths if you if you look at it correctly and kind of have the right sort of story so yeah absolutely yeah so andrew where can people find you find your work Oh, uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, find my work. I mean, it, it all sort of sits out there. Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you a link to the to the film so that can they can watch that. Excellent. Uh, apart from that, I have some other films on YouTube. I guess people could search my name there. Um, I'm pretty terrible at promoting my own work, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I might have to do an update uh, after this podcast. So, yeah, I guess YouTube. YouTube would be the way to go. If you search my name, Excellent. you'll probably find it. 
We'll put uh, we'll put a link to your YouTube profile in uh, the show notes. So uh, yeah, this has been a great discussion. And uh, thanks again, Andrew. And uh, thank you all for listening to Cheat the Camera. Please comment and rate this podcast on iTunes. It's the best way to help spread the word. You can get in touch with me by contacting me at contact at cheatthecamera.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>